Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today we're going verse by verse through the book of John. So turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. have your Bible, I can invite you to open them to the book of John, chapter 21. John 21 is where we're going to be this morning, looking at the restoration of Peter. You know, this is an interesting part of scripture because we find in it that really only about a week beforehand is where Peter was cussing and swearing that he didn't know who Jesus was, the great denial of Peter. Jesus said, before the cock crows twice, you will have denied you know me three times. And so this is exactly what happened. And upon the last denial, Peter was cut to the heart. He went out tearfully and um, began to pray and weep. Well, we remember that through the other Gospels, when the message got out that Jesus had rose from the dead, that Jesus said, and tell the other, the other disciples, and Peter also, especially that I have risen from the dead. Well, the reason why is because we know that Peter was going to be beat up in his heart over what he had done, just as any of us are when we do something that we know is wrong as well. Now, always remember this. God has a path for our restoration. If you do something wrong, God has a path for your restoration. It isn't you did something wrong, oh dreadful sorry Clementine, out goes you. God has a way of rebuilding. That's one of the things we always look for in God's word. And this is what really, friends, makes Christianity different than all the other religions of the world. You know, the other religions of the world will in some way tell you how to get right with God. Go burn so many incense sticks. Go say so many prayers. Go, go do so many good works or whatever. And you just might make it. God just might smile on you. Well, we know that through what Jesus did for us on the cross, that's what makes us right. Not by any works that we would do. But something else God does, and no other religion offers this, God then rebuilds us. I like that. God's restorative hand in our life. Now, I've shared this before, but some people like old cars. I like old cars. I I think they just have a certain weirdness of their class. And why did they do it that way uh, when they were making these things? But, But one of the things I've noticed, and sometimes people will ask, how much is the old car worth? And, you know, sometimes we see them all nice and shiny and, you know, they're beautiful. And, and, you know, it's really funny because depending on who restored the car determines on how much it's worth. I've seen cars that were restored by people that didn't know what they were doing that are worth less than when if they just left it the way it was before. Now, that tells me a lot. One, I need somebody that's going to restore me that knows what he's doing. You have a God in heaven that knows how to restore you, how to rebuild you, how to make it right, and to take, friends, the wish of would-haves out of your life. Now, a lot of us live in the wish of would-haves. We sound like a bunch of broken washing machines. I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have been here. I wish I would have been there. Well, God's got a way of rebuilding us. And this is what happened to Peter. Peter was heartbroken. In fact, I believe in the first part of John 21, as we 
read last week, he says, I go fishing. And he was with uh, six other disciples, total of seven, and they all went fishing. The Bible says they fished all night, caught nothing. Jesus in the morning, it says very early in the morning, said, have you caught anything? And they said, nothing. Jesus said, cast your net on the other side of the boat. And we remember they brought in 153 fish. The nets didn't break as they did the first time. And it's interesting, 153 seems to be the number of the church. I don't know why, but that's just is. Is it numerology? No, it's just kind of God's pattern. But one of the things we find is that Peter said, it's the Lord. And he girds himself with this coat and he jumps in the Sea of Galilee and he swims over to shore. Now that to me is a pretty interesting response because of his heart towards God. Well, we remember that he said, bring some of the fish you've caught and here I've made some coals. Let's cook the fish up, which we find in verse 10. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up dragged the net to land, full of large fish, 153, although there were so many, the net was not broken. And Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you, knowing it was the Lord? Why? Well, we talked about the distortions when Jesus was blindfolded and beaten, the holes in his hands that Thomas actually was offered to put his fingers in the holes in his hand, in his side. The swelling, the disfiguration. When we look at Revelation chapter 5, we find a lamb that had been slain takes the scroll, the title deed of the earth, and begins to pop the seals off. The judgments break out on the earth, and then Jesus eventually takes the world back and governs it for a thousand years. Well, what's important here is we find that God's restorative process begins. Now, the last time we found Peter with Jesus, he was warming himself by the fires of the world. This was in Herod's courtyard when he began his denial. Now we find Jesus by the coals. uh, We find Peter by the coals of Jesus. I think that's important. Jesus said to them, come and eat. Yet none of the disciples asked him, who are you, knowing it was the Lord. Jesus then came took the bread, gave it to them, and likewise the fish. Now this is the third time he showed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Let's pray. Father, now, as we read these words on how you restore, may you speak to each one of us that in this course of life, when we do something wrong, that you have a way of restoring us and rebuilding us. And knowing this, that all things work together for good to those that know and love you that are called according to your purpose. May you remind each one of us every day you've begun a work in us and you're going to see it through in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Now this is an interesting question. Jesus is there, the disciples are all around, and he looks at Peter and says, do you love me more than these? Some people wonder what the these are. Most people believe it was the fish. Some believe it could have been, do you love me more than the disciples? Or do you love me more than your occupation? Well, whatever it was, we know that Peter was going to have trouble answering this. 
And he does. In fact, when Jesus asked this question, he said, do you agape me more than these? The word agape in the Greek is that deep spiritual uh, love where you feel what they feel. You know what they know. It's that deep intimacy. Phileo love is where you're fond of something. You know, I, you know, people sometimes they, in the English, gets all lost. Uh, I, I love my wife. I love my fish sandwich. I hope you don't have the same relationship with your fish sandwich than you do with your wife. Even though we use the same word. Well, in the Greek, there's about three times more words to describe something than we have in the English. And so they'd have eros, the love a man has towards a woman. You'd have phileo, where I'm fond of something. I really like, I, I'm, I phileo my car. I phileo my fish. You know, I mean, I don't know. You, you, you know, you're just really fond of something. And then you have the agape love, that, that deep, intimate love that you have for one another, and, and you just do anything for your bestest friend. Well, Jesus says, Peter, do you agape me? Interesting. Now, Peter said this. Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I'm fond of you. I phileo you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. It's interesting that Peter could not say, yes, Lord, I agape you. He says, I phileo you. Now, why is that? Well, I don't know exactly. Some speculation. One, if he said, yes, Lord, I agape you. Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. Maybe Jesus would have said, well, when, why are you here? Why didn't you go to the Galilee and wait for me or, or uh, to the other places? Why didn't you wait for me instead of going fishing? So he said, I'm fond of you. Now, I'm sure at this particular point, Peter's a little worried. Because here Jesus now catches up with him and begins to confront him. Now, remember, the last time probably Jesus really gave Peter the look was when he was in the courtyard, when he was cussing and swearing that he didn't know Jesus. The Bible tells us in the other Gospels that Jesus looked at him. You know, how, how would you respond to somebody that denied they ever knew you? Well, Peter, you know, the last time we were together, you went denied you know me. You know, I made some kind of a thing where now I'm going to get you. No, I could just see Peter scared. I think Peter was very much weighing his words when he said these things. And the reason why is because he realized, I believe he began to realize, that we say things that we can't always come up to. So he said, Lord, you know I'm fond of you. And he said, feed my lambs. Now, I like this about the restorative hand of Jesus. He didn't come to him and say, now, Peter, do you promise to never say anything bad about me ever again? He didn't do that. He just asked him, Peter, do you love me? You know, it's really sometimes our own, our own self and sometimes the devil that just comes and tries to beat us up with our past. Do you know what you did five years ago? Do you know what you did 10 years ago? Do you know what you did yesterday? And all of a sudden we begin to see ourselves and the devil paints a picture of us outside of the love of God. And then all of a sudden we begin to believe his lies. Thus the ideas of suicide or leaving the Lord's side or, or just running away come into play. 
So when he said, yes, Lord, you know I'm fond of you, Jesus responded, notice this, feed my lambs. I still have a purpose for you, Peter. I like that. He didn't give up on him. God's not given up on you or on me. God has a plan for our lives. And this is one of the things that's important when we remember Jesus said, it isn't that you chose me, I chose you, Jesus said. Well, we look all the way through the Bible at people who messed up in what they were doing, and yet God restored them. I mean, I think one of the greatest examples that we find of God's restorative hand is King David. The Bible says a man after God's own heart. Yet we see some of the escapades that David did. And yet God forgave him, restored him. God's going to restore and forgive you. So he says to him a second time, verse 16, Simon, of, uh, son of Jonah, do you agape me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I'm fond of you. And he said to them, he said, said to him, tend my sheep. So first he said, feed my sheep. Then he said, tend my sheep. So one, there's a responsibility that Jesus gave Peter to feed the sheep. Another one is to take care of the sheep. Now, I think this is important because notice he didn't make Peter sign a promise card saying, okay, Peter, do you promise to never say this again? Why is that? Because God knows a lot more about us than we know. Have you ever said, I would never do that, and you find yourself doing what you said you wouldn't do? We don't know us very well, do we? In fact, the only way I believe we'll ever really know who we are is in Christ. Because God's the only one, first of all, that can reveal who we are. And second of all, help us from running away from ourselves when he shows us who we are. Because sometimes we ain't so pretty. In other words, sometimes there are things in us that when God reveals to us that blackness, that darkness, that sin in our life, God not only reveals it to us not to go look at this, but he reveals it to us to take it away. Do you realize when God takes things out of our life, he always puts back into our life better? You don't have a God of subtraction. You have a God of addition. But God subtracts before he multiplies. That's a principle of God. If he didn't subtract before he multiplied and added to your life, he would then add the mistakes or the darkness that's already there. You don't want him to multiply the darkness. I want that out of there. I want God to do something brand new in my life. And here's why. Because the Bible tells us every day we grow in the Lord. In other words, every day we learn more about God. We learn more about ourselves. We we learn more about a lost world than we knew before. Why is that important? Because God has saved us for his purpose. God restores us for his purpose to be about our father's business. As Jesus taught the disciples to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I can't be doing God's will. I can't be doing the purposes of God if I'm full of darkness. That's why God takes it out, but then he puts in his light. That's always something important to remember. God doesn't take, people say, well, if I become, I use this illustration a lot because it, it, it summarizes, I think, in a very simple way, how we oftentimes think Christianity or the world thinks Christianity is. 
I use the illustration of a guy walking down uh, downtown, and as he's walking down, he looks and he sees a guy with legs hanging out of a dumpster. The guy goes up, knocks on the side of the dumpster. Hey, what are you doing in there, buddy? I'm looking for something to eat. Get out of there. So he climbs out of the dumpster and he's standing there. And the guy looks at him and he says, look, my dad owns the best restaurant in town. Anytime you're hungry, here, you give him this card. And just say, my son will pay for it. Anything you want on the menu, you can have. As often as you want to eat something, eat all you want, all you can eat buffet. It's a meal ticket. You give it to the, the, the cashier and you can have whatever you want on the restaurant in the restaurant. This is the way the mentality of the world is. Then the world would say, does that mean I have to give up eating in dumpsters? Well, I know it sounds a little weird, but the fact is simply this. It's that you don't want to eat in the dumpsters anymore when you realize the goodness of God. So a lot of times we view things in the wrong light. What do I got to give up to serve God rather than what is God going to put in my life for his best purpose in my life? Notice he says, then, tend my sheep. Then Jesus said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you, and this time Jesus changes the word to phileo. The first two times, Jesus said, Peter, do you agape me? On the last time, Jesus comes down, down to Peter's level. And he said, okay, Peter, do you phileo me? And he said to him, I phileo you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. I think it's interesting that God is not unattainable. God will meet you. He will meet me where we're at. I like that about God. That doesn't mean God wants me to stay there because as we get into the gospel and really as we look in the book of Peter, first and second Peter, you'll find that Peter finally came up to that agape level in his relationship with Jesus. But God will meet us where we're at. And that's something I always love about the Lord. He'll find you. He'll meet you where you're at because he loves you. Now, we find here, most assuredly, verse 18, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself, walked where you wished, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hand and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And he, when he had said, spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Now, a couple of things here. Peter, we find in Fox's Book of Martyrs, went to Rome and was crucified upside down. He said he wasn't worthy to die the way his own Lord did. So we find that this is an interesting thing. He said, when you were younger, you did what you wanted. But when you get older, because of my relationship with you, there's going to be people taking you where you don't want to go. Now, I know this doesn't fit today, generally, in a me-oriented church society. You want to have Jesus in your pocket, climb to the top, and you're going to get everything you want and everything like this. But that's really, friends, not the gospel. That's, that's That's a social 
misnomer that has been taught in the name of Jesus is not really true. In fact, we find that when we come to Christ, sometimes it does cost us our life. It might cost you your marriage. It might cost you your relationship with your kids. It might cost you your job. Why is that? Because the way of this world is contrary to the spirit of Christ. And so when we understand that, we have to then, un- we have to simply come to Christ just as I am, as the old song go, without one plea. That's the way we come to God. It isn't that God, I'm going to come to you as long as you're my, my jack-in-the-box Jesus where I just turn the crank and out pops God and gives me whatever I want. Now, I'd like to be able to tell you that, and I know a lot of people will, but I can't because I've read the book. When you read the book, you realize, as Jesus is saying to Peter, when you were younger, you did whatever you wanted. When you get older in me, now you're going to be carried away and you're going to go where you don't want to go. Why is that? Well, I find a lot of times, friends, when we give our life to Christ, God has us do things that takes us out of our comfort zone. I like my comfort zone. I like everything cushy. I like well, I, 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 I just kind of like familiarity. And I like just where it's at. And God goes, you get too comfy that way. You get too settled in that way. You're not relying on me anymore. You're relying upon the, on the system, on the scheme of things. So God comes along and removes us from that. Now we get upset with God sometimes because we think, well, God, if you love me, why am I going through these changes in my life? And God says, so you'll trust me. Thank you for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com slash it's time. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thank you for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.